When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This just ends. CNN has obtained a copy of a letter written by the mother of Brian Laundrie. He's the man accused of killing Gabby Petito before taking his own life. That letter includes references to getting a shovel and also burying a body. CNN correspondent Gene Casares now here with the details. So, Gene, uh, what does the letter say? Well, first of all, the, the importance of this letter cannot be underemphasized because the reason we have it is that a judge yesterday said that the letter had to be turned over to the Petito attorney. It had to become something, a part of discovery, because it forms the basis of what their suit is, intentional infliction of emotional distress. They believe this letter shows that the laundries knew that Brian had murdered Gabby and they weren't telling any information or communicating. The laundry say, not at all. This was written so far before they ever took that trip. It was to show the love between a mother and a son. Let's go right to it, because the beginning of the letter is where Roberta Laundry says that she loves her son. You are my big boy. I will always love you forever. And then she says, quote, if you are in jail, I will bake a cake with a file in it. If you need to dispose of a body, I will show up with a shovel and garbage bags. It goes on to talk about death. It goes on to talk about the angels. It says that her love is a verb. It's not a noun. It's a thing that will last forever. And I just got a statement from the attorney that is representing uh, the, the laundries, and this is from Roberta Laundry herself. She is saying, this letter was meant to show how much I loved my son. I am sure people use phrases all the time to express to their loved ones the depths of their love. Although I chose words that I thought would be impactful with Brian, given our relationship, this letter was in no way related to Gabby. 
Now, the letter was undated, so that becomes a question of fact, Rahel. And this is for a jury to decide, because if a jury believes that this was in regard to a mother knowing her son had committed murder and was not was going to help him in every way possible. There are so many potentials there, but what the way they want to use it in the civil case is the knowledge that the laundries would have had to not at all communicate, and they say was outrageous behavior when the Petitos just wanted to know what had happened to Gabby. Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Crime Analyst and the Intelligence Cell. I'm going to interrupt my series on the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch, as there's been a really important development in Gabby Petito's case. The burn after reading letter Roberta Laundrie wrote to her son Brian Laundrie was released on the 24th of May, after Judge Danielle Brewer ruled that it must be released to the Petito family as part of their civil suit against the Laundries. I wondered whether this would happen, and it finally has. And if you've been following my analysis and deconstruction of the murder of Gabby Petito, you'll remember that I talked about the burn after reading letter in part 10 with Brian Entin and part 21. Now, if you haven't been listening to the series, go do it now and catch up and then listen to this after. I go into the nuanced detail of the case and break down what you see on Gabby and Brian's social media and the police body-worn camera footage, as well as the psychology of victimisation and coercive control and Brian Laundrie's behaviour, as well as the law enforcement response and so much more. I interviewed Brian Enton, who covered the case from the start and who continues to, just like me. On the 24th of May, at 6.37pm, Brian shared the letter on Twitter. Now, I also posted on Crime Analyst social media and said that I would share my analysis and thoughts on the letter. Now, as I said, I was really hoping that this letter would be released, and finally that has happened. And why I say that is because you might recall that Roberta Laundrie fought against its release and said that the letter had no evidential worth. However, in an interesting twist, Roberta was the one who released it, and I'll come back to that momentarily. Before that, I want to share with you what was in the letter, and so I'm going to read it to you. On the outside of the letter, Roberta Laundrie had written, Brian Christopher Laundrie, and then in brackets, burn after reading, along with a drawing of a bird next to the word remember. And then on the next page was this, I just want you to remember I will always love you, and I know you will always love me. You are my boy. Nothing can make me stop loving you. Nothing will or could ever divide us. No matter what we do, or where we go, or what we say, we will always love each other. If you're in jail, I will bake a cake with a file in it. If you need to dispose of a body, I will bring, which is crossed out, show up with a shovel and garbage bags. If you fly to the moon, I will be watching the skies for your re-entry. If you say you hate my guts... I'll get new guts. Remember that love is a verb, not a noun. It's not a thing, it's not words, it's actions. Watch people's actions to know if they love, not their words. And then in inverted commas, she wrote, Therefore I am certain that neither death nor life, not angels, not the ruling spirits, not things present, nor things to come, nor powers from above, nor powers from below, 
Nothing in the entire created world can separate our love. Neither hostile powers nor messengers of heaven nor monarchs of earth, nothing has the power to separate us. Close inverted commas. And then she wrote Romans 8.38 in brackets extended version exclamation point. Then in brackets, nothing can separate us. Not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not threats, not even sin, not the thinkable or unthinkable can get between us. Close brackets. Not time, not miles, and miles, and miles. Okay, so let's get into the letter. I'll start with the outside first. So it's addressed to Brian, and she used his full name, including his middle name. Now, when parents use your full name, it means it's official, important, and normally that you're in trouble. The burn after reading was in brackets. So firstly, that's an unusual thing to write in a love letter to your son. The letter was obviously something meaningful to Brian, and when Roberta wrote it, it was full of love. So why would she tell Brian to burn it? Unless it's something that she believed to be incriminating. Also, the brackets denote an important explanation or clarifier. My interpretation here is that it's an instruction. Now, I will remind you of what Roberta said about why she wrote the burn after reading section and why and when she said that she wrote the letter. In my opinion, the point of this letter is that Roberta wanted Brian to remember that she would always love him and he her and that nothing he could ever do would stop that. She underlined this point by saying, no matter what happened or what's been said or done. The subtext for me is that something bad has happened and she needed him to know that he still has her heart and that her support for him was unwavering, irrespective of what he may have done. Roberta gave some examples. So if Brian were to go to jail, she would help break him out. If Brian somehow happened to be around a dead body that he needed to get rid of, for whatever reason, no questions asked, she would bring, and bring was crossed out, she would show up with a shovel and garbage bags. The subtext was, if he killed someone, she would just show up, she wouldn't ask any questions. She would come to help him dispose of the body, irrespective of what happened. Now, let me be plain here, these things are both criminal matters. Why use these references in a love note? Why was that uppermost in her mind? Pointing to your beloved son being a criminal just out of the blue, out of nowhere, and then saying that you would aid and abet him in two very serious crimes, well, that's very revealing to me. And that's not where most mothers' thoughts go when expressing their love for their son, unless something has happened, for that to become relevant. She does write that if he flew to the moon, she would watch the skies for his re-entry. Now, I believe here she's referring to him leaving, to him going away, and for her waiting for him to come back. Now, again, it's another very odd thing to write, along with the next line. If you say you hate my guts, I'll get new guts. This may well have been said by Brian, that he hated her and that he hated her guts. There may well have been an argument and he's taken himself off, but she said that she wants him to come back to him and she's waiting for him, no matter where he's gone. That phrase, hate your guts, I mean, that's a phrase that I haven't heard for some time. It's somewhat childish and immature, 
but Roberta used it. And I wonder whether she's perhaps mirroring something that he had said and she's trying to meet him on his level. To me, it talks to emotional immaturity, but that's what we've come to understand about Brian. And certainly if you listen to my analysis, I deconstruct it further. So Roberta reminds her son, Brian, that love is a verb and not a noun. So she's letting him know that her love is alive and active and that he'll feel it in hers and others' actions, not their words. Now that's ironic to me because after all, she's writing these words on three pages to convey her love. But she's saying, watch people's actions, don't pay attention to their words. So I have to ask the question, whose actions is she talking about? Well, she doesn't specify. Is she talking about her own actions? What has she done to convey in actions her love of him? Did she protect Brian? Shield him? Get a lawyer? Did she refuse to speak with Gabby's family when they were desperate to find out if they knew where Gabby was? Did she refuse to talk with the police about Brian and what he did when he returned without his fiancée and when Gabby was missing? Did she refuse to talk with the media? Now I ask these questions rhetorically because we know that that's what she did and more importantly, what she didn't do. And in this letter, Roberta's drawing his attention to something relevant and significant regarding someone's actions who shows their love and support of him. That's my opinion, but that's what she's drawing attention to. And then she quotes Romans 8.38, but she uses different words that are in the Bible. But I believe what she's saying is that there's nothing that he can do or has done that can keep her love from him and separate them. Now, the passage in the Bible relates to Jesus Christ, but she wants to underscore her love for him. So it begs the question, what has he done? Why was it so important for her to quote the Bible to underline her point? And Roberta goes further by writing that nothing can separate them, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not even sin, not the thinkable or unthinkable, not time, not miles and miles and miles. So again, she's saying that there's nothing that he can do to drive a wedge in the relationship, regardless of what it is or how bad it is. Roberta loves him and she'll always be there for him no matter what. To me, the letter feels somewhat desperate, like an attempt to throw everything in the mix with the hope that something will resonate. You know, for me, this is such a strange letter to write, a letter of this level about love and talk of always being there for Brian no matter what someone has done, yet not specify or reference the thing that that person has done. This is avoided repeatedly, and this omission was intentional, I believe. So it leaves me wondering about this letter, of what act could be so bad that Roberta has felt compelled to write a letter of this ilk and of this desperation, but also instruct Brian to burn it after reading. What exactly was she trying to prevent him from doing? And when looking at the letter as a whole, the attention to detail with the brackets and the punctuation and the grammar and the tilde, the wiggly hyphen at the start of the not miles and at the end of that last sentence reveals to me that Roberta thought this letter through when she penned it. And yes, it was handwritten. And you can see it on Crime Analyst's Instagram and Twitter. All of this tells me that this was a very personal letter and it meant a lot to Roberta and to Brian. 
Roberta even took time to draw a bird on the outside of it. And as I said, Brian had this letter as one of the very few things that he took and had on his person when he went on the run and then took his own life. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Now I'm going to give you the context that this letter was released in. Remember, I said that Roberta has fought the release of this letter, and I mentioned that Brian Entin released the letter, and so you might be led to believe that the Petitos were the ones releasing it, but that's not what happened. The Petitos said this, and I'm going to directly quote them, because this is what they released through their attorney, Pat Riley. Roberta Laundrie has issued a self-serving statement and released the burn-after-reading letter after Judge Danielle Brewer yesterday denied her motion for a protective order to preclude the release of the letter to the Petito family. The letter was not released to the press by us. It's interesting that Roberta would do this now, given that she has resisted providing it for the last five to six months. She asked for a protective order, asked for a confidentiality agreement in the afternoon of May the 24th, 2023, and then released it later that day. Judge Danielle Brewer said that the letter should be released and copies of the letter were shared with at least three digital outlets, including Fox News Digital, on Wednesday, after the judge ordered the laundries to share it with Gabby's family. Now, remember, Roberta has never spoken out publicly, but through attorney Matt Luca, Roberta Laundrie told Fox News Digital that she truly loved her son, and I'm going to read the rest of her statement that she put out through her lawyer. The letter to Brian was written prior to Gabby and Brian leaving my home for their trip. Previously, I submitted an affidavit to the court for very limited purposes, but that is not the whole story. Now that the letter has been shared, I ask that you read it in its entirety and understand that the letter contains other phrases beside those highlighted by Pat Riley for sensationalism and to bolster his case. I truly loved my son and simply wanted to convey to him how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. I'm sure people use phrases all the time to express to their loved ones the depths of their love. Although I chose words that I thought would be impactful with Brian, given our relationship, the letter was in no way related to Gabby. Please read the entire letter before you believe the hype put out by Pat Riley. Okay, so that's what she said in her statement through her lawyer, 
And here's a reminder of what Roberta Laundrie wrote in an affidavit filed in a Sarasota court back in March. Take a listen to this. I, Roberta Laundrie, am a defendant in the above-styled cause and I do hereby swear or affirm that I fully understand the meaning of all the terms of this affidavit. I wrote the letter requested by plaintiff's second request for production. I wrote the letter to my son Brian Laundrie on or about the end of May 2021. Although I do not know the exact date I wrote the letter, I do know that I wrote it and gave it to Brian before Brian and Gabby left Florida for New York, which was on June 2, 2021. In brackets, Brian and Gabby went from Florida to New York before they went out west. The purpose of the letter was to reach out to Brian while he and I were experiencing a difficult period in our relationship. Brian and I always had a very open and communicative relationship, and in the months prior to the trip, our relationship had become strained. Brian and I shared a love of stories and some of the language in the letter was using similar phrases to describe the depth of a mother's love. The two books that come to mind are The Runaway Bunny and The Little Bear. In addition, Gabby had given Brian a book called Burn After Writing, which contains printed questions to which the reader responds by writing their answers on the page. The back of the book instructs a reader to create a secret book and then destroy by Burn After Reading. The bottom of the back cover says, Write, Burn, Repeat. Brian, Gabby and I often joked about this book and the importance of being able to express yourself. If you were embarrassed or simply did not want anyone to know your thoughts or feelings, then the book offered the perfect solution by telling you to burn it. This is where my message to Brian came from and I wrote on the cover of the book for Brian to burn after reading. In short, I was trying to connect with Brian and repair our relationship as he was planning to leave home and I had hoped this letter would remind him how much I loved him. There were some other phrases that I used in the letter, which are not found in the books I shared with Brian as a child. However, these phrases were common enough in our circle of friends and family to describe who you could turn to in the most troubling times of your life. While I use words that seem to have a connection with Brian's actions and his taking of Gabby's life, I never would have fathomed the events that unfolded months later between Brian and Gabby would reflect the words in my letter. The words in the letter could never have been a comment on that tragic situation, as they were written so many months before. My words to Brian were meant to convey my love and support for my son through a light-hearted and quirky reminder that my love for him was not diminished and could not be shaken by the miles of separation we would soon be faced with. Although a few of the words in the letter are being quoted by others as having a connection to this case, all of the words taken together and in the context of the reason the letter was written show that there is no connection. In addition, there has been some speculation that this letter was in Brian's possession or in his backpack when he died, insinuating that I gave it to him as he left my home on September 13th, 2021, but that is not true because the FBI had the letter in their possession and questioned members of my family about it prior to October 20th, 2021, when my husband and I found Brian's remains in the reserve. I repeat that the letter I wrote to Brian before he left with Gabby for their fateful trip was nothing more than a private communication between myself and my son, and I never expected anyone else would read it. In some way, I did not want anyone else to read it, as I know it is not the type of letter a mother writes to her adult son, and I did not want to embarrass Brian. That is why I wrote Burn after reading on the envelope, and I knew that Brian would know what that meant. I am now appreciative that he actually kept it. For my analysis of Roberta's affidavit, listen to episode 122. 
Now I've read the full letter, what jumps out for me about what Roberta wrote in her affidavit is, one, she said that they were going through a difficult period and that their relationship was strained. And she said that some of the language and phrases are from stories that they shared to describe the depth of a mother's love, including two books that she referenced, The Runaway Bunny and The Little Bear. Now, I'm pretty sure that The Runaway Bunny and The Little Bear do not reference jail and breakouts and burying bodies or quotes from the Bible or reference sin. In fact, The Runaway Bunny by Margaret Wise Brown is a beloved children's book, And in the book, a little bunny keeps running away from his mother in this imaginary game of hide-and-seek. Now, it's a book that children are comforted by because of this mother who finds her child every time. Well, the book The Little Bear, it's actually called Little Bear, and it's about a mother bear who's there whenever Little Bear needs her. When it's cold and snowy outside, she finds just the right outfit for Little Bear to play in, And when he goes to the moon, she has a hot lunch waiting for him on his return. Perhaps Roberta was trying to remind Brian of happier days and of her love for him. But it's really bizarre. I mean, why reference children's books to a 23-year-old man? Surely something more recent would be far more relevant. And I don't know many 23-year-olds who think about books that they were read as toddlers. It sounds to me like she infantilised him, and it's disturbing... She also mentioned Burn After Reading, which referred to a book, Burn After Writing, that apparently Gabby had given to Brian. So here she uses Gabby to try and back her up, and that's disturbing to me too. Along with the fact that Roberta said that the letter was light-hearted and a quirky reminder that her love for Brian would not diminish or be shaken by separation, well, for me, there's nothing light-hearted or quirky about this letter – It feels disturbingly heavy and desperate, in my opinion. I do believe that Roberta was being truthful when she repeated that the letter was private between her and Brian and that she never expected anyone to read it. She acknowledged it wasn't the type of letter a mother would normally write to her adult son. And that's truthful too. It is a very bizarre letter, but I don't believe that it was about being embarrassed. A letter of love is just that. Why would there be embarrassment? And as I said before, most people keep love letters for years and decades to come. They're beautiful things. And she's trying to convince us here that she was trying to help him with communication, yet have shame about love and expressing it. I'm sorry, I just don't buy what she's selling. And I don't for a moment believe that she's appreciative that Brian kept it and now here we are addressing it. And it's a very important part of the lawsuit against her and her husband. I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to say, along with the fact that she's been spending a lot of time, money and energy trying to bury this letter and ensure that Gabby's family and all of us never saw it. As you know, I'm the mother of a little boy who I love with every fibre in my being and with all my heart. But there's a line. If he harmed someone or if he killed someone, I wouldn't be busting him out of prison or burying a body and asking no questions. We all hope as parents we're never put in that position. We hope we raise our daughters and our sons to be good people, to take responsibility for their actions and not to be entitled and feel that they can do anything and that there's no consequence for their behaviour. Brian must be judged on his actions. He murdered Gabby. He left her body alone in the wilderness. He deprived Gabby's family of knowing where she was and he ensured Gabby's family and friend would never see her again. 
that they'd never see her warm smile or see her get married, build her successful career or have her own children. He did that and Roberta and Christopher chose to support him in those choices, to lawyer up and to remain silent. Up until now. Roberta stated that this letter was irrelevant but it's the only time she's broken her silence or taken proactive action. And so I have to believe through her own actions that this letter is absolutely relevant. As you know, I am someone who pays great attention to people's actions and behaviour. Having analysed Roberta's actions and her words, they're not congruent. In fact, they fight each other. In my opinion, this letter must be viewed in the context of everything that's happened, and Roberta's actions to give this letter to the media, having fought so hard to ensure that it never came out and that it never saw the light of day, that can only be viewed as an attempt to control the narrative. To not view the letter in context of Gabby being murdered by Brian, set against the backdrop of Roberta and Christopher Laundry withholding information from the Petitos and from law enforcement, and now and only now taking action and speaking out, Well, that would be wrong and irresponsible. I'm going to let Gabby's family have the last word and share the final part of Gabby's parents' statement. We appreciate Judge Brewer's ruling in which she recognised the importance of the burn after reading letter as a potential source of evidence to be used at trial against the laundries. The letter is undated and while Roberta Laundrie has suggested it was written before Brian Laundrie and Gabby Petito left on their trip, A reasonable inference is that it was written after Gabby Petito was murdered and is evidence that the Laundries and attorney Bertolino were aware of Gabby's demise when the statement to issue was released on September 14th, 2021. We look forward to having a jury determine when the letter was written at the time of the trial. Me too. I look forward to that as well. So as always, let me know what you think about the letter and my analysis – I jumped on to share my thoughts and my analysis with you, and I know that so many of you have shared with me that you found the letter deeply disturbing, but my analysis of this whole case has been a game-changer for you in terms of understanding domestic abuse and coercive control, and how abusers behave and manipulate not just the victim, but law enforcement and other people too. Manipulation, attempts to control the narrative, gaslighting and DAVO, to deny and then to attack the victim and reverse the victim-offender role were their common tactics used by abusers. And once you see them, you can't unsee them. And so let me know your thoughts. I'll end, as always, thinking about Gabby and her family in their continued fight for justice and accountability. As I always say, the truth will out eventually and we are getting closer and closer. Until next time, be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instincts. Here's my final thought and ask before the episode wraps. I really appreciate you listening to Crime Analyst, and if you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to me. It really helps others find me and my work, and it helps with the ratings too. Crime Analyst is written, produced, and hosted by me, Laura Richards. 
Sound engineering by Jason Sheasley at Abridged Audio. Cover art and graphics by Chris Robottom at Syndicate. And music by Kilrude. <laughs>